Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Game Gravy Rewind Podcast. This is episode 45, and tonight with me, I do not have Michael Johnston. I have Mr. Ryan Shiflett. Hello, everyone. So humbled uh, yeah. with that nice little <laughs> quiet hello. But I'm your host, oh, Anthony DeVirgilis. Um, tonight, before we begin, we're going to have a little, well, what do you want to call it? A little special presentation to the um, CEO of Nintendo, who recently passed away. Yeah, sounds good. Yes. So, uh, as as sad as that is, I, it's like words. I can't even bring the words up. It, it's you know, uh, my my tongue's caught when I want to talk about it. It's really, it, it's just really sad news. It it is, but and you know, as I kind of told you earlier, I mean, it just speaks volumes to the overall impact that Nintendo and he has had on the industry in his tenure and it just all the stories of you know him as a person and the things that he did and the inspiration he was for not only the people that worked at Nintendo but in the industry in general is kind of phenomenal and the fact that you know three or four days later everybody's still talking about it and posting things about him is yeah, again, it just kind of goes to show you, you know, they're not quite as irrelevant as people think. Yeah, it really speaks leaps and bounds on the kind of person he was. Um, most of the things that you hear about him aren't even CEO or really related. It's just the, the fact that he was a good human being. So. Yep, I agree. That's the, that, that to me is the, the best part of the, the stories and stuff that you hear about him is he he was you know he reached down and pulled out his inner gamer even when he was ceo he he was never really the business guy he was always down in you know at heart a developer a programmer and a gamer yep which is just you know just so awesome just to hear all the stories about it um you know i loved i love some of the stories i heard i uh, read the one from um, was it jeff jeff keely is that how you say his name yep yeah, he, he had a really cool story about uh, Iwata, and I thought that, you know, just hearing from Miyamoto and Reggie, of course, um, but even, even you know, hearing support from from Sony and, and rival companies or companies that haven't even been on Nintendo consoles in a while, like you, you hear stuff from Ubisoft and 2K and... You, you know, like those, they they haven't had the best relationships with Nintendo, but at, you know he was well respected around the industry. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you know, he started off as a programmer, so he's been there. He understood. Yeah, I thought one of the cooler things I heard was how he came up with the uh, compression algorithm to um, for the Pokemon game to have the the overworld map, I guess. Oh yeah, both yeah, so that they both fit on the. The card yes. or whatever it was, yeah. Correct. Yep. And I, I like that. I'm like, man, that's so cool. And like, I guess he did it. Like, he was single handedly programmed it. So <laughs> I was just, that, that's just so awesome. Just to, yeah, just to yeah, think back. Game. And I mean, he, 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 he was, you know, one of the founding members of Kirby and Hal Studios. So he, he was, he worked on the first Smash Brothers. Well, and yeah, helped debug Melee so that it made the the launch window for for Cube. <laughs> yeah. So I and I don't know, that, man. I think that that would be pretty nerve wracking as a developer to have the 
the president of the company you're you know you're making the game for coming in and, and debugging it <laughs> yeah yeah i can see that but yeah it's just just overall i don't know it's just it's, it's just overall sad I, I i can't even express it into words how how like sad it is really for the industry yep it it definitely hit me harder than than i thought i never understood the whole you know the the morning the loss of somebody you didn't really know personally yeah until, like a celebrity yeah until well yeah just now yeah so yeah we should talk about happier things <laughs> yeah well let's let's we'll, we'll go ahead and move on um so like th- the main topic we wanted to talk about on this podcast was we wanted to move on and talk about um I, I let's let's just keep it to indie games we, we want to talk about the indie indie studios and how since we're a little bit into the life cycle now of the systems, now we're starting to see indie studios on their second, their third, you know, and beyond games. So we want to talk about quality over quantity. Now this was a this was a debate that used to rage back in the day. Um, what would you say, like the N sixty four, the GameCube era around there? Oh yeah, definitely, and especially in the sixty four era, just because you know that was also another period of time in in Nintendo's life where they're. I mean, there was third-party support, but compared to the third-party support of, like, the PlayStation, it was virtually non-existent. So it was a big, huge thing of quality over quantity. Yeah, and so PlayStation definitely had the quantity, but their quality was definitely lacking. Yeah. <laughs> um, e- even into the PlayStation 2 era, the PlayStation 2 was the system that got most of the shovelware. Then moved into the Wii era, that's where all the shovelware went. Um, I really don't know where the shovelware goes nowadays. Um, yeah, it's remasters. Um, well, not really. <laughs> I, I would, I would say that it goes onto the, onto the online stores. I, I think all the shovelware kind of hits the, um, the, the, I don't want to say the indie market because they're not necessarily indies, but, um, I, I think digital only is where all the shovelware goes. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you don't have the, the huge shovelware companies like, you know, UFO and some of the ones that were on. Wii and, and PlayStation like they used to be, but I think a lot of those were also offshoots of of the bigger companies. So yeah, and and I think you'll see like like publishers like that start releasing digital games. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have bigger digital like um Focus Home Entertainment. For, they don't make shovelware. Let me sorry, let me say that um, they make good games. <laughs> they actually make good games, but I'm saying that's one of the larger like digital only. Um, developers I, I, or uh, publishers. I just wanted to get that out there because it sounded like I was throwing the shovelware title on them, but they don't make shovelware. Um, they they actually, but it, it, you, I think you're going to start seeing more like that. Like um, you you have some other like um, publishing digital publishing companies that make that you know they publish some really good games like Curve. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I I think that's really where the online. Um, directions going I, I mean it doesn't look like it's that hard to be a publisher yourself um but i, I mean a, as people can contest i'm sure if we talked to taylor from arcane pixel the paperwork seems like it's a pain in the butt so to have that to have somebody else do the paperwork for you might be you know i, I don't Enough know to, grab, to for grab a publisher to do it so you don't have to deal with it yeah or if you're trying to release a game in a different market maybe it might be easier then as well true um, I, I don't know what the benefits are. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's a bigger, you're, you're hitting a bigger audience. If like, say for instance, Curve probably has a pretty big following at this point. So if they release a game under their umbrella, it's probably hitting more eyes. 
So you might have that mm-hmm. to your advantage as well. I would agree. I mean, they've they've really started to become one of those standout, I guess, like indie or, or small game publishers, especially. And, on and Wii I think U. they might even do some of the legwork on the develop on the um, development side to get like the port titles over. Oh, I agree. Kind of, and that that seems to be another trend that's that's happening too. Is some of the smaller guys picking up, um, you know games that, that use the engines that they're familiar with and importing it over to different systems so that it's I guess it's market impact is is larger and it helps them probably make some money to fund some more of their own personal projects so on on the concept of quantity over or quality over quantity um, let, let's take a look at it in, in the perspective of today's Indies what would you prefer indie studios do? Would you prefer to have smaller $2 titles and have multiple ones throughout the year? Or would you like them to work on one game and, and release it for 15 or $20? Um, I personally would rather them, you know, I, I guess overall just that one title and pay a, a, a higher premium for it than a bunch of small titles at, at two dollars, because some of those two dollar titles, I think, with more time and development, could easily end up becoming, uh, you know, a higher tier, quote unquote, so to speak, indie title. Kind of almost like saying, like the next shovel knight, shovel knight, or the next Shante, kind of like that. Yeah, you know, definitely, or even you know stuff like. Um, or like an affordable space adventures. That's something that with probably without that development time that they had could have been a really cool, albeit extremely short experience. But Napnock and um, them, Nicholas. yeah, Nicholas decided to make it a full fledged experience, and I think it it pays off better. The polish is there. It's just you know, I don't know. I think it probably helps it more more so and then they'd probably get you know a better relationship with with their publishers than just the small itty bitty ones because they're taking the the time and the effort to devote well their time and effort to a game on that console now i don't have any sales numbers in front of me and i think nintendo and i you know they all really kind of hold it close to the vest I, i don't really see sales data from anybody um when it comes to um, which you call it when it comes to like indie or PSN sales. Um, but now, do you, do you think that smaller titles sell better? Um, I actually, you know, what's funny is I, uh, I mean, maybe I guess depending, like it's, you know, the entry points, of course, easier. So I think you might garner more sales off of a two dollar game than if it cost eight bucks. But at that same time, you know. Maybe if you took, if there was a little bit more length and the experience was a little bit more fleshed out, it would end up paying off in the long run. Well, let's be honest. If you have a dollar game compared to a $20 game, you have to sell 20, 20 games to one to make, to recuperate that cost. True. So, I mean, again, we don't, we, we don't really know because we don't have the numbers. They're kind of, everyone's a little bit tight to the vest when it comes to releasing the store numbers. Now, what we can say is um, I'm not sure. Uh, I, you know, it really kills me because I don't know who the last 
the, the company is I'm thinking of. But I did read on Twitter or on one of the sites um, that some one of the indie developers said that the game sold way better on the Wii U than it did Steam. Do you know? Do you oh, remember that news? Um, I do, and it was. Um High High Strangeness, I think was the name of the yes, game? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it was. It was High Strangeness, thank you. Now, I didn't think that game stole, sold particularly well on the Wii U. I didn't really see too much um, hype behind it. I didn't see a lot of people posting stuff because, you know, a lot of the a lot of the people I follow on Twitter or, you know, I um you know, I, I talk with a lot. We we all play the Wii U and I didn't really see anyone talking about that game when it came out. No, I saw a little a little here and there, but not a whole lot about it. Not, not to say it's not to say it's a good or a bad game because I haven't played it. I think it looks great. I, I would love to play it. Um, I, I think I sent them a request to review it, but they never got back to me. So if you're listening to this, send me a review copy, please. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, but what you call it? Um, you know, I, I I love the the 16-bit or 8-bit, you know, because I think it went back and forth between both. I love that that RPG style and, you know, that era of RPG. So I, that's something I would have loved to have played. Yeah, I, I downloaded it, played a little bit, but not, I haven't played a whole lot of it. So Well, you're my inside source, man. You're supposed <laughs> to know all this. I know, because I'm, I'm the guy that downloads, like, every indie that, that comes to the eShop, or at least two-thirds of them. So Every? Two thirds, about. Yeah, I think I. So, um, think I actually can I put own... you on the spot? Sure. Can Can you tell me what's in the infamous um, folder? Um. Yeah. Give me two seconds, and I can I can definitely tell you what's in the, the infamous folder. Um, I believe. Let's see. Um, the letters in the infamous folder. Um, but again, I haven't. The little bit I played and had the issue with was probably not as much as other people. It was the. The controls being inverted. inverted. <laughs> yeah, just made me sick to my stomach, but I'm booting Yeah, up I had the phone. same issue, but reverse with um, Ether 1. I was actually going to review the game, and I felt it would be completely unfair for me to review the game because I couldn't invert the controls. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So I just I, I, I just stopped playing it because I was like, I'm literally right now, it's a 1 out of 10 because I can't play it. So um, what is also in my infamous indies um, is... Um, Arrow Time U. Arrow Time U. Arrow Time U. Which, That's a classic. Which I uh, actually won um, <laughs> on a Twitter contest. Nice, uh, nice. Um, yes. Um, IQ Test, which, well, yeah, it's IQ is Test. Is that Ninja Pig? Um, it is Ninja Pig. Uh, <laughs> Where's that guy been? I haven't heard from him in a while. That's because you don't follow those circles anymore. <laughs> they're, they're probably, did, did he get kicked out of like Nintendo's like, um, publishing because of that game, that, that cat game or whatever. Um, n- no. Cause I think that they, they've still got something and I believe he's, they're still working with, with Nexus, um, on something and doing the other website stuff. Um, and speaking of, of Nexus, I believe, uh, brick blast. U was also, that's in there too. You know, you know what's funny about Brick Blast? You like, I love the idea for it. It's just a terrible game. Oh no, I agree. It's it it again. It it was something to kind of get out there. It just it it moves kind of slow and yeah. It's just I don't know. Um, and then the other or th- the other three, I actually have um, reviews and did reviews for uh, Nintendo Fever for um, 
I mean, they're, I guess, not necessarily. Let me, let me throw it out there. Is Tylicious one of them? It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's awesome. The the other would be um, Paparazzi and oh, um, Paparazzi. And Vector Yet, yet Vector another Assault. good idea, but horribly executed. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, they updated it, which made the single-player portion a little bit easier to play because you could actually dodge the camera instead of it following your every move. But, um, yeah, neat concept, just missed the mark on execution is all it is all it did. So, and I mean, that's it. That's, for the most part, that's all that's in my infamous Indies file. There's not, out of the 100-plus indie titles I have on my Wii U, there's um, seven in the infamous Indies. <laughs> So, so I, I think I would have to say, though, between me and you, I think we basically probably have two of the higher indie counts that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> of, of, of games. So we do play a lot of indies. So I think I, I think we, you know, I, I think you could kind of take our opinion and, you know, I think it holds up. We, we basically play almost every indie that comes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty dang close. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I would agree with you. Um, back to the quant- quality over quantity debate, I would agree with you that I would definitely like to have a a more full fleshed experience um, on the lines of Shantae and the Pirate Curse or Shovel Knight, Affordable Space Adventures was one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, one I'm excited to play this evening, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, something like that. There you go. Well, and it, I mean, it, it's funny because there's even some that, um, some of those indie games, um, like, uh, I guess an example of kind of like the, the quality versus quantity would be, um, Ping 1.5, where, you know, it, it's, it's the puzzle game that it is, but there's a lot of different themes towards those puzzles where it seems like some of the other indies have that idea and instead of expanding it so, you know, you have three or four different, I guess, sections or themes within the game, it's just the one. And when you're really starting to look forward to it, it kind of ends and you're like, oh, that's that's it. Whereas you can see where, you know, another 12 or 24 levels, and I'm not saying any of that stuff is easy to do because obviously it's not. Otherwise, everybody and their their brother would be doing it. Um, but I think adding some of that stuff to it would probably also help. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. Um, see, I, you know, a lot of indie games, the one thing I got to give them is even if they make a smaller title, it seems like they go back to it. Yes. I would agree. So, in that sense, is... It really a bad thing to have a smaller title? I I don't again I I don't think it's necessarily well yeah it's not necessarily bad but I think that there also needs to be growth within that indie studio or that person's games I think that's also very important like if it's the same game over and over and over and over again then. No, I mean, you know, and there's an audience for that stuff, obviously, because those games do really well. You know, you have the the tabletop style games from R- RC Maniacs that, that, do, that do well for him. And there's people who don't like them, but there's also people like myself. And I know you, you've said that you enjoy those because I know what I'm, I'm, I know what I'm, I guess, getting into. 
when I'm buying that. But I don't know. It's it's kind of hard because I don't want to sit there and say, yeah, there's no place for those experiences. Because, I mean, there is. Everybody has their own taste in games and what they like and, and what they don't like. And so I don't want to also discourage or, you know, tell somebody your, you know, your hour-long experience is shouldn't be on a system because it's that's not necessarily true there's going to be people who pick it up and and love it and that's you know hopefully the point and the reason the majority of these guys are getting into it is to make a game that somebody else enjoys as much as they you know enjoy that style game or or making that game yeah and uh you know i'm 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 conflicted because i'm definitely of amongst the people that if i see a game and it's 19.99 i tend to wait for it to go on sale and and i'm guilty of it so i wish i was I, <laughs> it would um, help i said i wish i was it would help my pocketbook a lot well <laughs> I, I, I still feel like 15s the 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 highest indie should go i still feel like 14.99 is 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 like the perfect price point for for an indie game uh, i i feel like 20 i feel like you're starting to go to the high side well i i agree but i think you know i think it's it's funny because when it comes to indies there was a conversation that i saw with um dan adelman and they were talking about that because trying to come up with the price point for a game like axiom verge and trying to find out what the maximum some people are going to be willing to pay versus the minimum that some people are going to be willing to pay um, but I think if you're going to charge, you know, $20 for an experience, especially a download only title, it needs to be worth that $20. It's going to have to have more content and more polish than a game that's at 15 or even 10. I mean, for me, th- those sweet spots are, are between like 10 and 15 dollars i'll buy a 20 dollar indie but if i know an indie is going to be 20 dollars, it's i promise you it's it's one that i know about and i've done research on so i know it's going to be worth that experience it's if it's a game i've never heard of i probably won't drop the 20 dollars on it unless i do research and then even then if i'm not super sure that's probably when i would wait for it to go on sale yeah and well and to that sense, I think you have to know your market too. Whereas I feel like Axiom Verge should have been a Wii U first game. Oh, true, but I mean, I guess that's the doesn't it run on and doesn't it run on like Unreal or something like that? So it's not all that. You're telling me they couldn't me. have made that game on a different engine? Oh, I'm sure that they probably could have. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm sure the guy probably did, could have, but I know I think that was one of the reasons why. Well, whatever the reason is, to me, it makes no sense to release a game that's cloning Metroid on Sony. Like, like that would be like me making a game cloning God of War and putting it on Xbox. True. It's it or you know just like like basically like Tomb Raider. I know they're getting paid for it, but why would you put Tomb Raider on Xbox exclusive? Oh, I would see now. I would I would put tomb raider on xbox before i put it on playstation because of the fact that playstation has uncharted and i don't see when it comes to that kind of stuff a lot of playstation fans being excited for tomb raider because they're like why i have uncharted and all tomb raider is now is uncharted how did tomb raider sell on ps3 compared to xbox um i'm not completely sure how did it sell on the remake 
the remaster. Um, so again, I, I don't I don't know like verses. I know all all in all, it sold pretty damn well. It sold it sold well over five million, or it sold over five million units because it it became Wasn't profitable still after that. Too? They were at first, but the remaster, I guess, helped bring those those sales up and made it better. And that's yeah, that's a discussion for another time when a game sells four million copies and publishers are upset with that performance that's yeah <laughs> that's a that's a completely okay, so, different discussion so tomb raider 13 is the game we're talking about according to vg charts sold 2.42 million worldwide on playstation 3 sold 1.86 million worldwide on xbox 360 okay sold 0.93 million worldwide on PS4 and sold 0.35 million on Xbox One. So, back to my point, it makes no sense to put that on <laughs> Xbox exclusive when it sold better on PlayStation both times around, right, even with did. Uncharted. Yeah, true. But, I, I mean, not to, I'm, I'm not like bashing you or trying to like prove a point to you. And, oh, like, no, you know, I make, know. Oh, I can pl- uh, I understand. There's there's times where it's well, like and another odd example is I mean I know it. I mean we'll never know because it's it's never been on the system. But it's one of those things that astonishes me that a game like Kingdom Hearts has never graced like a proper Nintendo console because it just yeah, seems that, like see, a game. To me, that makes no sense as well. It's just like why would that not be there? It just. But again, you know, I I'm not spending millions of dollars on analytics to find out where a game <laughs> well and, sell and the, best, the kingdom so. hearts one's stupid because you do you think if they're like hey we you know okay here here's the conversation square and disney come up and sit down with nintendo and they're like hey we have this great idea called kingdom hearts U or whatever and it's going to be the next exclusive kingdom hearts game but we want your Nintendo characters in it as well. Oh, Nintendo's going to say no. I, I mean, really? Nintendo's <laughs> going to say no? Maybe that old Nintendo. That game's not going to sell 100 million copies? <laughs> New Nintendo? No. Maybe old Nintendo back when the first Kingdom Hearts came out? Maybe, because them and Square still weren't on the best terms. But Yeah, but I mean, I, I just like... The, uh, to me, if you had Disney characters, Nintendo characters, Square characters, oh all my in the God. same game, like <laughs> yeah. the, the world would explode. Yeah. And they all complement each other very well, especially the way that they did Kingdom Hearts. And and there has been talk of like having a Mickey Mouse and Mario game as of late. You know, I you know, I'd be okay with it. Well and well, perfect example. Look at um uh Epic Mickey. Perfect fit to be a Wii exclusive. And it sold over a million copies. It was a hit. And then because it was a hit, they spread everybody thin and when the sequel hit they threw it on every platform known to man and it didn't sell anything <laughs> and and i don't think that the wii u one was even done by the same developer as the wii one was it no it wasn't uh war inspector and junction point still worked on the wii the dhd counterparts were um sourced out to other studios yep and so i'm i'm, I'm looking at the sales data the wii version of the first one sold three million copies worldwide yep the second one still sold the best on the Wii, actually, at 0.94 million. Um, then the 360 at 0.49. Then the Wii, the 3D, or I'm sorry, the PS3 at 45, and then the Wii U is at 21. Yep. Well, I, one of the reasons the Wii U version probably didn't sell well is the fact that they didn't use the motion controls. Well, that and everyone already bought it on the Wii. Yeah. 
Well, I so thought it, got, didn't it all come out around title. the same time. Huh? I thought it all came out around the same time, though. No, they did, but it was a launch title. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and again, but no, no motion controls, and that was part of the the fun and the hook of it was the paintbrush and and erasing. I stuff. can't believe that game sold three million copies on the Wii. <laughs> Which uh, and now perfect example: three million copies on the Wii for that. That was for the first one. Yes. Okay, and the, and now the second one sold over a million copies combined, but that's still not well enough to get a, another sequel. That they they shut down Junction Point and killed the Epic Mickey franchise. Yep, and then I mean, and then you got games like Rayman. <sighs> what, what was that called? Rayman what? Legends. Rayman Legends. I think it's funny we went from indies to talking about all the other stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's the natural progression I, of talking games, though. It's how it happens. I, you know, I didn't want to stay on that topic. Oh, okay. Not like not not saying I, I didn't like the topic or anything, but I kind of wanted to to get around and go to different things and um and, and just you know kind of kind of move around and stuff. You know, Rayman Legends actually has now sold the most on PlayStation Four. What? Yeah, that's crazy. That followed by PS3, then followed by Wii U. Wow. That that blows my mind because I know at one point in time the the Wii U version of it um, <laughs> outsold the the 360 and the PS3 combined. In America, it's still the highest sellings on the Wii U. Okay, I wonder if that was if that had to do with sales or that's Europe. interesting. I think you're, you think Europe, it's Europe and the rest of the world. Oh, that's over. true because the Europeans love their PlayStation products. Yep. So that's that's what put that game over, and you know, like the, the sales would have been a whole lot higher on the Wii U had it been exclusive still. Or, dude, even if it just launched in February, like they said it was going to, I think it like if they would have launched it, and then they would have said, oh, you know, after they launched it, like you know, a month later, been like, and it's going to be coming to 360 and PS3 this fall. In the in the last game sales that I wanted to look up because it's the most deserving of a sequel. It's a zombie U, and that's uh-huh. at it's sitting at eight hundred and sixty thousand copies right now. Well, yeah, that's we're failure. We're 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 getting our our quote unquote sequel. We're getting our uh, Xbox One and PS4 remasters of a game that obviously wasn't a hit, but all of a sudden we're getting a a, re, a, a remaster, a redo for our our other next gen systems. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'll probably, you know, I'll end up checking it out. I wouldn't mind playing it because I would love to be able to put those two experiences, um, like, next to each other. And I think it'd be really cool to, to you know, to be somebody that played the original and then to play the 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 demake, I guess, or whatever, however you want to say <laughs> it. Because the fact that it doesn't have the same functionality to see if it still holds up, you know, or... You know, how much are they going to change? Are they going to be changing a bunch of the control schemes? Because, I mean, it was a game that, that, you know, used the gamepad for a lot of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they they implement that stuff and if it changes the core feeling of the I th- game. I think it'll be fine. I, I, I did lie, though. I, d- I looked up something else. I was just curious. Bayonetta 2 is sitting at 730,000 copies, oh, which is pretty impressive. That's nice. I didn't know it was that close. To to a million. That's I, I don't think it'll ever hit a million, but that's still pretty good. Uh, dude, and, it's and also hard to tell though because on, it's an it's a it's a game on a Nintendo system and Nintendo the games on Nintendo systems published by Nintendo just sell forever. You know they might not light up the sales charts, but they just kind of 
continually yeah, sell. For some reason, sell. though, I don't see this game like maintaining the same, the same. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The same like evergreen. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> in North in North America, it's at four mil uh, point, or four hundred thousand. Um, at the end of last year, it was it was almost sitting there at at that number. Oh, uh, okay. It's they've only sold this whole year one hundred twenty eight thousand, which is not. I mean, that's still good. So let's not like let, let me not let me not take that away actually, because if if it keeps selling at that rate, if it sells next year the same one hundred twenty eight thousand, it will get it closer to a million. Yeah. So. Yeah. If you actually, if you want to see a surprising number, look up the sales of um, Xenoblade Chronicles. Well, the 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 Wii version or the three DS version. The Wii version. Really? Here, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up for I'm you. Off. So, on the Wii, th- um, in Japan, it only sold 160,000 copies. In North America, it actually sold 420,000 copies. <laughs> well, and, 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 and how hard did we have to fight to get that game here? Well, that's probably why we had to fight so hard to get the game here. Is because of the fact that they're like, man, if this didn't sell in Japan, like there's no way that the Americans are going to... Well, I, and it. I know the user bases are completely different. The Wii had a way bigger user base, but the new one's only sold uh, 110,000 copies in Japan so far. That's pretty sad, actually. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know. And what was it? Xenoblade Chronicles for the 3DS sold more in its first week, I think, than than it did like the whole lifetime or something like that on the the Wii in Japan. I know that the the 3DS no, version sold 80, more. No, it's only 80,000. Oh, really? Right now. Huh. I, again, this is VG charts. I don't know how up to date this is. Um, I'm taking it for what it is. Oh, okay. But <laughs> we'll we'll see. I, I don't know. I think Splatoon's numbers just ridiculous. Oh, the fact that it's already sold over a million units in in its first month. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, pretty sweet. that's, that's impressive. Oh, and kind of interesting. And I know, you know, the. If you look at the global hardware totals, that's that's insane. It, you know, if you if you look at it, yeah, the Wii U was out uh, a year before, but the fact that Xbox One's at you know thirteen versus the the ten million for Wii, that's not that big of a difference as far as as user base. It's definitely not the twenty three, almost twenty four million that the PS4 has. So. And, I mean, at any point, the Wii U can start making a slight comeback. It's just going to be very hard for them. Yep. They've got to They've got to do so. There's, you know, I, I think Splatoon is going to help, and I think that actually probably sold, oddly enough, sold some consoles. But, um, I mean, who knows? It'll be interesting to see if if they've got something that, that brings that. I think Mario Maker is going to sell more consoles than you think. Oh, no. I, I you know what? I think after E3... And like the whole Nintendo World Championships and stuff, I think Mario Maker is probably actually going to sell some some copies because I think it's also going to get those um, those communities and those people that like to build Minecraft. and create stuff, Minecraft, and the people you know, possibly little Big Planet people because of the fact that they're getting to develop these platformers that obviously they've they've been trying to do you know, and what what gamer between the ages of probably what. 24 to 35 plus we'll say <laughs> yeah yeah hasn't dreamed about making their own mario levels 
So, so where do you fit in that uh, number? Um, I fit in the thirty-five plus. Oh, okay, <laughs> just just making sure, just making sure. <laughs> oh man, but uh, I'll say it. That's okay. I've 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 been playing games for more than three decades, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I've been think I've been playing games longer than three decades as well. No, yeah. I'm at three decades. All right, so. are you? Yeah. That's yeah, funny. yeah. So I, I'm I fall in that the uh, 33 spot. So, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, and I got my NES when I was three, and I used to play the heck out of it. So. Oh, then I oof. Then yeah, I've been playing them for yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had I I actually got the 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 OG NES when it launched with um, Duck Hunt and Gyromite. So nice. Yep. Out of out of federated, which those no longer exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. To, I think got, I got mine like from Toys R Us. The best buy of the day, but they had this crazy dude that was like a used car salesman with a mullet type thing that would like smash TVs and stuff during the commercials. And yeah, I remember going into and it's funny, obviously gamer gamer memory here, but going in and seeing a, a huge stand table full of them in the in the center of the floor for for 250 bucks back then <laughs> yeah and bugging my mom through the whole entire trip when we were in that store that I wanted uh, a Nintendo cuz yeah I wanted a Nintendo and yeah I walked out of the store with it that day and the rest is history the rest is history yes indeed yeah so i mean I, I don't know if I necessarily bugged my mom for one, but uh, I think it was a, gi- a Christmas gift of that year of '85. Okay. Um, I know that a couple of my parents' friends at the time had had them, and I used to go over there and just, you know, I just fell in love with it. Yep. I mean, and it, and I mean that that console back then was was crazy to, you know, jumping from the Atari 2600 and you know a color scheme of. Well, three, four colors, <laughs> you know, and then some a little bit more. Um, to to the stuff on that was on the NES was was insane. I still remember. I know I'm skipping a generation, but I still remember the first time I played like Super Metroid and I played like A Link to the Past. Like how blown away I was oh, by those games. Yeah, A Link to the Past, still one of my favorite games of all time. Oh my god! Like I I, I remember when you're walking through the forest. And you're going to get the sword, the master sword, for the first time. I just like th- that, like that moment in that game will like forever be embedded in my head. <laughs> that's yeah, that's awesome for me. It's the water temple when it comes up out of the water. That was an- another great part. And then Super Metroid just had so many awesome experiences. I I, I think one of the coolest things I remember from that was I I forget the name of the bad guy you kill, but you kill him over lava. And then he's like jumping out of the lava with like the skin like tearing off of his bones. Oh, That's nice. such a cool death scene. I'll have to play Super Metroid to see that. <laughs> Thanks. You know for, that's that, for that is that just up. the saddest thing I've ever heard. It, I know it is for for me being a Nintendo fan. I am the fact that I have not played Super Metroid. Um, well, and that's that's actually I think. The, that was the time period where I actually got out of games for a little bit, and I missed the stuff like Super Metroid, um, Donkey, the Donkey Kong countries on the Super Nintendo. It was the so end. You were of, like too cool for school, huh? Um, I don't. It's funny. Like I don't exactly know where my priorities were at that point in time, <laughs> but for whatever reason, they weren't really on games. 
Yeah, I I would say mine would have probably the beginning of the N sixty four era. That's where my like my games like got lost because I I, I was just starting high school. Mm-hmm. So that that was really where like so the beginning N sixty four era was kind of like where I lost touch with gaming. And by the time the game like the end of the sixty four era into the GameCube, I had got like way back into gaming. So um, games like Perfect Dark and WWE No Mercy. Um, the original Smash Brothers, like those games, like really brought me back into it. Man, speaking of WWE games, it still blows my mind that those don't hit Nintendo platforms because the audience is there. So yeah, it just blows my mind that they still have Ukes making the damn games. Because <laughs> they sell, like it's it's that whole I don't know, man. It's just it's they weird. could have anybody make that garbage and s- stick the WWE logo and stick it in a box and they're gonna buy it. Well, they true. need to get they need to get achy back though. I, when, I agree. I'm, I'm sorry when like when uh, the game when everyone always goes back to saying No Mercy is the greatest wrestling game of all time and that came out 16 years ago. <laughs> I, I mean that that and you have a game every year. You literally have one game every year come out. And and everyone still says that the game 16 years ago was the best one. Something's wrong with the company you have making your game. Yep. Well, there was so much depth and stuff back then and it was at least we still got a few more of their wrestling titles later on the in Def the Def Jam. The Def Jam, the first two, yeah, Fight Ultimate for Muscle. Uh Fight for New York and and uh, Vendetta, Vendetta, and then yeah, the Ultimate Muscle on GameCube, like yes, yeah, just at least they, well, they were there for a little bit. I don't know if they're still doing that kind of stuff. Which no, they they make the um, they actually work with Nintendo now. They uh, make the uh, style style savvy games. <laughs> oh, okay. There needs to be a petition. I'm not the <laughs> petition person, but like I know Next Level was working on that. Strikers part wrestling part volleyball game. Nintendo yes. needs to do a freaking crazy like they do with Smash Brothers, but just have Aki make a Nintendo wrestling game where Mario and Bowser and Peach and all of them are doing crazy stuff to each other in a wrestling ring. Like do ultimate go ultimate muscle style and just make Who's gonna it be Stone Cold? Stupid and crazy and fun. <laughs> is is there a Nintendo equivalent to Stone Cold? To, to Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, who would be the anti-hero in Nintendo's universe? Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, is is there a Nintendo equivalent? Let me look through my amiibo. <laughs> Let's see. Well, if you go by his his death stare in Mario Kart Eight, maybe it's Luigi. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Wouldn't Luigi and Mario be more like Bret Hart and Owen Hart? Uh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, is there is there Ca- a better brother? Ca- Captain Falcon would be the Rock. <laughs> but the, he doesn't talk enough. No, that's true. Well, yeah, but you could do it. You could make yeah. him talk enough. I, I would say Link would have to be Triple H, right? <laughs> but I'm going with the Hunter Hearst Helmsley character, there not the go. Triple H character. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh who who would Toad be? Is he Gilberg? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're, we're going to all, has, like, all, a all different levels of nerdiness now. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'll go all night long. Where, where's Matt at? Matt would love this conversation. Oh, oh man. I, I wish Matt could be on this podcast <laughs> with us right now. 
That would be. Uh, we we actually did a WrestleMania podcast. Um, we did a Google Hangout for it though. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Me, me, him, and my my buddy Pete came over and we did a WrestleMania one with our predictions and stuff. We, it was hilarious. We had some really funny predictions. Um, it, you could probably find it on YouTube. I think we put it on YouTube. Nice. Yeah, that was that was the first WrestleMania I had watched in years. And when um, it was Sting versus Triple H, and you know DX came out, I was like, oh my gosh! Now all we need is the NWO, and this will be one of the greatest matches of all time. And then for that music to start, I was just like, I was in hog heaven because that's when I was watch, watching wrestling every freaking Monday night, switching between the two. And oh yeah, that oh was it, that was such a great time for wrestling. Um, yeah, like the only thing good in wrestling right now is NXT. I, I I watch myself some NXT. I watch a lot of NXT. So and and they're moving they're moving most of the people up to the main roster now, or most of the uh, the wrestlers up to the the main roster so they just moved up three of the uh three of the female wrestlers which i really enjoy their work I, um i think sasha banks is probably the best female wrestler i've ever seen and she that's just in the developmental league so the fact that she's now in the wwe makes it a lot more exciting for me to watch raw nice well that's oh, good okay. they, they need some new faces it's it's been a while yeah, they need to have like Big Show and all them retire. It's it's bad. Like I I w- like literally I was talking earlier with somebody and I was like, you know, I went from watching Raw and SmackDown and all like the shows, like I would never miss a show to like at this point all I do is fast forward Raw to see what I want to see and then I watch pay-per-views. And that's <laughs> it for for like the main product. I still watch NXT every week, but yeah, for the main product, I fast forward through Raw. I watched two segments on Raw this week. I watched the female segment, and then I watched the um, triple threat match to fight Cena for the U.S. title. And that's the only the only matches I've seen. It's the only ones I wanted to see. So, um, you know, it, it's funny, too, because I like Brock Lesnar. I like Seth Rollins. I just don't care what they're offering for them right now. So, well, But back to uh, video games. Yeah, video <laughs> games. Sorry, I just saw some tweet of, of uh, uh, Damon Baker trying to get some sort of a, an indie uh, c- called Collateral Cat, cat Lateral cat Damage. Cat Lateral Damage? Yeah. I know saying, all about hey, Cat Lateral Damage. He's like, let's bring this to Wii U. <laughs> We'd love uh, to get our paws on it. Oh, yep. my God, he's so great. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let's try. Hey. How about bringing cat lateral damage to Wii U? I'm seriously considering it now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's funny. We'd love to get our paws on it. <laughs> I guess there's some other Castlevania title that could come to Wii U. Lots of could. Yeah. Need more shoulds and, and are. I'm jazzed for Slain, man. Like Slain looks cool. Th- yeah, that that looks phenomenal. I'm I'm extremely excited that hopefully you know we end up getting that. That'll be well, we are getting it. It'll just be a blast that we you know when we finally get it, kind of thing. So, Damon Baker's a pretty cool guy. He's a cool cat. Seems like it. Yeah, he's a little um. What's what I'm looking for? He's a little different than uh, Dan. Dan yeah. was a little bit more in-your-face rebel. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's what got him in trouble. <laughs> yeah, got, oh, you, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You've, you've got to... seems like he plays by the books a little bit more, but uh, he seems like a really cool guy. You've got to be able to, to balance those two when you're in the, the corporate world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is that is for sure. Yes. 
So let's go ahead and conclude this um, before we go any further and get more off topic than uh, <laughs> than we already than, have. <laughs> than we need, yeah, than we already have. Um, so let, let's kind of like put it to a whole, uh, like you know, to a head. What do you? What, how do you feel about all these indie developers releasing a bunch of titles and for cheap? Um, you know, overall, I guess you know it's it's their decision. Um, if it if it works for them and and they're successful, then I you know then good for them. I don't see them them stopping or necessarily a need to stop. Um, but I would definitely like to see some of those those really cool ideas um, fleshed out into a little bit longer experiences too. Yeah, I can I can completely agree with that. I think it's really fun watching the developers grow and mm-hmm. see seeing their next titles come out and seeing how they've gotten better and you know how how they've grown as a developer. It's just it's just really cool that we get to see that before our eyes nowadays. See, and I think that that for me is the most important part. If you're going to do small titles, that's cool, but it's it's neat to see that growth and you know, I think there's a couple of those indies on the the eShop that we've seen that from and like uh, like I'll tell you, like petite games I think is has grown in the the quality um of their titles but I think could do so much more if they, if they went a little bit further and like you were talking about with uh, Treefall um, Studios with Treefall to see you know them go from the May or from the, the letter, letter to the maze and to you know to the average journey of a, a special average balloon balloon yeah <laughs> um, yeah which which i i did win on a contest and um i've been playing and it's actually really cool um I, it's it's their first 2d game that i've played the first two were in 3d and you know i, I think that this might have been a better starting point for them um i i feel like i feel like the the letter in the maze kind of put them in maybe a, a negative zone where people looked at them and were like or, or you know him or whatever i don't know how many people work at his studio but um you know, they kind of looked at it with a negative, a, a negative taste in their mouth, a bad, maybe sour taste in their mouth after those two games. But playing that game, it's, you know, you can see that he has talent as a developer. It's just, he, he needs to hone his craft. Yep. Well, and I think the best way to do that is, well, I don't think you should really hone your craft and, and release that kind of stuff. I yeah, think that's, I mean, I think I that's the other problem is like, it's my first game. You should buy it and, you know, don't don't be mean to me. It's my first game. Well, no, if it's your first game and it's not good, then people need to be honest so you know where you need to improve. Well, I, I think there's other forms you can you can release your – there's other forums, sorry, that you can release your, your game in to get people to try it. Um, I'm always willing to play a game for a developer and let them know what I, I think of it if, you know, like a, a alpha or beta version of it. Um, I played Tiny Galaxy a lot, and you know I talked with Taylor a lot pre-release. Um, there, I played uh, one of RC Mediex's games on the iPhone pre-release. So I mean, there, nice. there, I, I, I've played, you know, I've, I've played, I've, I've played through games. I give them my opinion, give them some feedback. I, I think the best thing to do is to get feedback from people that play a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I mean that's the thing is, well, yeah, with. With the ability of having a PC, the more people you can get to test it pre-release, the the better. You know, don't shouldn't be super afraid of it. You know, and if you're afraid, then talk about an NDA or something, and that way you, you'll know. 
Yeah, and and I know like going back to Tiny Galaxy, I remember when I was first playing that for um, for Taylor, I looked at the level select screen and I'm like, are you gonna name your planets? And he was like, no, I wasn't planning on it. I'm like, name them. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, name your worlds. Um, just because it it just gives it it just something that little goes a long way. Mm-hmm. It gives it more it, more polish, a, a more finished experience that way. When I play Mario, I don't want to just be in some land. I want to be in the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in Hyrule, obviously I'm in Hyrule. I want to go to, like, Termina Bay. I want to go to these places with names. Yep. So. Well, and it, and it helps identify rather than going, oh, was the Lava World? Or, you know, it's like, oh, no, it's Fabric Beach. It's, you know, it it, it does it and lends that personality to the levels. Exactly. I, I completely agree with that. So, um, yeah. So I think that would be good for this week. Um, we're out of time. We will talk with you next week. Yes, I indeed. don't know. I don't, you know, um, Mike, Mike has some stuff going on right now. So I don't know what, who's going to be the host next week. I will most likely be here. Yes. I will, I, I will be here next week, next Tuesday night. Um, I don't know who the co-host will be. Will you be back next Tuesday, Ryan? I'm totally down. I I don't think I'm I'm working, so that shouldn't be an issue. And I love doing this stuff. So okay, so you'll probably hear us go a little bit slight off topic again next week. Um, we might have Michael with us next week. We might not. Um, that'll be a surprise. Maybe we might have another special guest. Maybe we can get Matt on here with us one one Woo. week. That'd be fun. Um, we could talk some some soundtracks or more for wrestling. Doesn't matter to me. Right. <laughs> Nothing better than dudes in tights. Um, <laughs> so anyway, till next week, I'm Anthony. And I'm Ryan. Peace.